yet God knew me in that place. I was known, I was seen, and that he loved me, whether I made the team or I didn't make the team. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of This is a Woman podcast, and I'm so excited for you all to hear from my guest today. She is amazing. She is a mom. She is a coach. She was a college athlete. Um, She just works so hard to minister to so many girls over in Orange County and even to girls out of Orange County, to the athletes that have moved away for college or moved away for their job, and she... um, hosts her own podcast and it has her own website and um, social media for the female athlete mission. It's a great, it started from this idea of just how can she have a source for women athletes to go to, to learn about God and talk together and get through the hard things that athletes and girls face. And so she's going to dive more into that and share her story of um, playing college soccer, as well as share why she um, started the female athlete mission. And then we're going to get into a little bit about this week being the um, title nine. It's been around for 51 years. So we're going to get into that and how it's protected women's sports and where women's sports are kind of at today. So I'm so excited for you all to meet my guest, Natalie Lawrence, that I've been telling you all about. And Natalie, we are so happy to have you here today. I'm so glad to be here. This is awesome. I love what you're yes. doing. Yes. Yeah. And so as I told you all already, Natalie is a coach. She is a mom. She is doing so much in ministry. But something I hadn't mentioned yet is Natalie actually, um, she played college soccer And as myself playing soccer and so many other athletes, often we can find our identity in soccer. And it took Natalie um, losing soccer to come to find her identity in Christ. And so, Natalie, can you walk us through that experience a little bit? Yes, I would love to. So um, I grew up in a a town, Orange County. I don't know if you can call that a town, whatever, where I grew up. (laughs) was very like performance oriented. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. like, you have to go to the big school, you have to have the college sweatshirt, you have to be good at something to be somebody or be someone. And so for me, kind of somewhere along the way in high school, I really realized that soccer was my ticket to being somebody in this area. So I, I was sort of averagely good at other things, but soccer was kind of my way into that. So um, started to really pursue playing soccer in college. And um, growing up, I didn't have like any faith background or anything like that. Actually, my joke that I always say is that, so my mom is Jewish, so I always, <laughs> kind of considered myself like Jewish, like I was like <laughs> kind of Jew. Yes. Like I loved, I, I loved having that identity, but I, I like uh, having that faith identity, but I didn't really have any faith. I didn't really know what that meant, what I believed, anything like that. So I just have to preface that because soccer was sort of like my religion, or I should say kind of achievement culture was sort of my religion. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm doing this recruiting game and all this is going on and I see friends getting recruited. And if you are a college athlete or a high school athlete trying to be recruited, or if you have a kid that's doing that, recruiting is so hard because you just like put yourself out there and you're like, love me or like accept me or choose me and a lot of times college coaches just don't even respond and so as someone who my identity my everything was in my soccer performance and whether i was accepted as a soccer player 
when they wouldn't even respond, I felt just like I didn't matter. I was just kind of, I had no, I, I wasn't even worth their time to respond mm. to. Then you get some responses that are like, sorry, we're not interested. Um, or we'll come watch you play. They come watch you play. Then you don't hear anything. So that's even worse <laughs> and all this stuff. So that recruiting game was so hard for me. Um, until I finally got set up with the University of Oregon, I was going to be a recruited walk-on. And the coach knew my coach, and we had this great thing going. So I went up with three other walk-ons in the summer. I committed to Oregon because I'm thinking, Pac-12 soccer, this is my dream. Oh, my goodness. Like, I'm living the dream. So I, I put all my eggs in that basket, go there in the summer with these three other walk-ons, um, and after playing, we, we played with our high school ID camp sort of as our tryout. And then we were going to stay basically for the college for like preseason. And at the end of those weeks of, of the college, high school, college ID camps, they pulled each of us aside and the other girls made it and I mm. didn't. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just the biggest loser. I, it was just so, it was it was the biggest sense of failure I'd ever had. Like here I am away from home in another state, somewhere I don't really even want to be. I just wanted to be so I could play soccer there. So it was really in that place when soccer actually got taken away from me that I realized like without soccer, I'm nobody. And like, is this all there is? So it sort of set me on this spiral of, or journey to try to figure that out. I mean. I was so homesick. I tried to do the Greek life, but I just didn't fit that like crowd. I ended up playing club soccer there and found a little bit more of a home there, but I was still just so homesick and confused. And that's actually when I found out about more about God, found out about who Jesus was, found out that I was loved just by being God's creation that I had purpose here, that God had created before I was even born, that he knew me. I mean, that alone like was revolutionary, that I could be somewhere where I felt so unknown and so just like, what, what am I doing here? But yet God knew me in that place. I was known, I was seen, and that he loved me, whether I made the team or I didn't make the team. And so that was sort of like, it ended up being the best year of my life because I came to know my savior. I came to know Jesus. And in that process, I started realizing, like, I think I want to do, like, sports medicine or something where I could be with athletes and I could be helping them learn, like, what I learned this year, but without, you know, having to experience failure to get there. And ended up finding a way to transfer to Point Loma in San Diego, which is a Christian school. And I ended up making walking onto that soccer team and getting to just grow in my faith as a soccer player and uh, was an amazing experience getting to kind of have soccer be redeemed. And I think this is the biggest change for me that I want to share with you guys is that once you find out that your worth isn't connected to your performance, you're able to just play or perform just for the joy of it, just for out of gratitude that we're able to do it, just because it's amazing. And what God has given us and the opportunities he's given us are amazing because it doesn't matter. If I fail, that doesn't mean I'm a failure. It means I got to keep going. Just keep, you know, keep trying. I get, but I get to play soccer again. So it was just an incredible experience to have soccer all of a sudden be something that just brought me joy from 
coming from a place where soccer was what I used to like really uh, decide whether I had worth or not. So that's sort of summary of my story. Hope that kind of made sense. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that because I know like also playing soccer and just athletes in general, we go through that. Who are we? And people say, Oh, like, who are you? And I'm a soccer player. I'm a football player. I'm a basketball player. Like your identity is in your sport, which isn't healthy. And you said like, once your identity is in God, you realize you can have joy even through making mistakes. You can have joy through the Mm -hmm. losses. And that's, um, my freshman year of college, when you did the Bible study, um, for Vanguard university soccer team, you did it for our freshman group. And that was something you, um, really instilled in us was, listen, you're a college athlete right now, but in four years from now, you're not going to be. So you need to like know now who you are. And I miss soccer so much and I miss playing and having teammates and all that. But when soccer ended, I didn't feel like I lost myself because you and other coaches in my life really instilled that this isn't your identity. And so your journey of finding it was maybe different than my journey, but it's a powerful testimony to you had to lose it to find who you were, but then you were able to get back into it. And I love that. Yeah. And it's okay to have like, I like to think of it as little I identities versus Mm -hmm. big I identity. Like it's, you're going to grieve not being a soccer player anymore. Mm -hmm. Like that's a big part of who you are. That's, that is how you found a place in this world at your university, at your school. It's where you found your friends and things like that. And there's always going to be grieving, but when your big I identities do not change, they are solidified. They are written in heaven. Like you can, you're not going to lose yourself. You're going to Mm -hmm. grieve, but you're going to still be able to stand tall and know who you are and be able to find your next thing or play pickup soccer for fun now and, and be able to continue to play because it doesn't have that pain in it. That so many people when soccer or their sport was their big eye identity and they lose it at the end, you know, because we all lose it eventually. Mm -hmm. Soccer is like this painful thing for them. It's like this thing that was, was miserable because they just used it to prove themselves for so many years. Um, and that's really sad to have lost the kind of the love of the game. So anyways, that's a, that's a whole other, (laughs) and honestly, that's something I see very different in women's sports than men's sports is that Mm. women really cling to, well, okay. Generally since saying this, I feel like the girls that I know, um, don't enjoy playing pickup soccer after they graduate and stuff because mm. soccer became a way that they just used soccer in order to feel love and acceptance. They didn't just play for the love of the game, which for some reason in our culture, boys tend to be able to do that more. They just enjoy playing and they get to just play. And we could talk about why that's different if you want, but we don't need to. But it's just that's an interesting dynamic in our culture right now. Yeah. And I have seen that. And I've had even coaches talk about that when they coach males and females. They say if they put a ball of uh, or a bag of soccer balls out there before practice starts, the boys get up and they start playing around and messing around. And if you do that to a girls team, they'll just sit there talking and be like, "Okay, five minutes till we have to start. So they're definitely you like even just and having brothers. I see that difference, too. My younger brothers still play club soccer. And, you know, they're not really looking to play college. And I'm like, aren't you going to miss it? It was my favorite thing, all that. And they're like, no, we can still play whenever. Like, that's not like who I am and stuff. And I'm, oh, you're right. 
like you don't have to play college soccer to just enjoy it and keep playing for fun. Um, yeah, totally. That's good. Yes. But so with your story, it's you're you're using your experience and your story now to help other females um, in sports. And I know you you coach soccer and focus in more on soccer, but you've created um, the female athlete mission. And can you dive into why you created that and kind of what that is? Yeah, so I started, um, when I first graduated college, I started working in this ministry called Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And it's a it's a worldwide ministry um, that shares the gospel with athletes and coaches, basically. Um, and I felt like as I was navigating that and working with girls, um, I felt like you Google Christian athletes or Christian athlete inspiration. And actually, when I was in college and I was a new Christian, I was doing that because I was like, how do I be a Christian and play soccer? Like, how do I pursue confidence and being really good without being prideful? How do I just all that stuff, you know, that comes with being a Christian athlete? And um, all you could find is like football players that point to the sky after they score a touchdown or like Allison Felix, who is amazing, but I, not all of us are Olympians. Yeah. <laughs> Very few of us will ever be. And so I just felt like she was this untouchable person and, and the way she spoke was amazing and very eloquent, but it was very curated. Like, I'm kind of like, where are the real conversations here for for women that were that are like, were like me playing college soccer and also the girls that are coming behind me kind of feeling like, where are those conversations? And I wanted to be able to talk about how do you navigate like body image as mm -hmm. a female Christian athlete? How do you navigate um, coaches, being a leader, like being on the bench, mm -hmm. uh, playing, starting, playing a position you don't want to play? And here's the thing is, I feel like there's those conversations, um, if I can be honest here, mm -hmm. like from a, a worldly perspective, I don't feel like the world gives us great answers to a lot of those questions. Like, how do I find fulfillment on the bench? It seems like the world gives you one option and that's like, work your way to the top. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, what does the world value? The world doesn't value the person on the bench. The world values mm -hmm. the star. And so I feel like Jesus worldview is like, you have value and so much purpose on the bench. And let me tell you why. And let me tell me what, tell you what Jesus says about you and like go live it and enjoy it and find purpose in it and that your role might change and it's still great to have goals to get on the field but that's not what's going to give you value so i just was like i want to provide places to talk about these things and to give that kind of inspiration um and so i started the fam which was originally a blog and then evolved to a podcast and social media and things like that um where I could just gather, it's very similar to what you're doing, Sophia, where mm -hmm. like gather um, people to share their story, or I should say not people, women to share their yes. stories of how like victories they had or what did God teach them in this season? And just kind of what is it like to be a female Christian athlete? And the idea is that I want to encourage women to grow in their faith, like on and off the field. And I believe that when we do that, we're going to influence the world too, that other people are going to see Jesus in us. And sports are just such a um, powerful idol and platform in our culture that people do look at athletes. And so there's sort of like a two layers to that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's been really fun getting to meet a 
incredible, um, like amazing, incredible women um, that are doing it in different sports, different cultures, different levels. We have everything from like an NAIA player to a professional to a retired athlete to a coach. Um, yeah, kind of like all in between. Yeah, and I love that, especially how when you talked about players struggling on the bench. And I think that's something that hits a lot of players um, if they do play college sports, soccer, whatever sport they play. Because a lot of times if you go to play a college sport, you were the captain of your high school team or you were the person that played the whole game and always got to start, play wherever you wanted. And then you show up to your college team and you realize, oh, all 25 other girls or 30 other girls here saying, thing and now all of a sudden you're riding the bench and I think that's a huge transition for athletes and like I've listened to some of the podcasts you've done on that even when I was in college soccer and they like you said it wasn't just the okay well go train more go work harder it was that you do have a role on the bench and those are powerful things especially for a girl to hear I think mentally riding the bench affects girls differently than boys So I love that you're doing that. And I love the whole female athlete mission. It's a powerful thing. And I think the way we're seeing culture go today, it's more needed now than ever. Um, Today, the day we're recording, so this podcast, it's um, live Monday for you all. So happy Monday. But today we're recording on Friday. And it's actually the um, 51st anniversary of Title IX, which protects women's sports and it protects females being able to play sports. It protects females in the locker room. There's a lot that goes into that. And we're kind of seeing some interesting changes in culture with female sports and male sports. They're separated for a reason, but people are kind of getting them mixed up. So do you have any anything to say on that, Natalie? Oh, my goodness. Do I have anything to say? Well, um, that's amazing. Gosh, really praise God for for where our culture has gone originally to give mm-hmm. women the platform to play sports. I mean, like think of our stories. Sophia. feel like you and I, we got to play. I'll never forget the moment when I was in Hawaii in college playing against the Hawaii teams. And I'm like, why am I getting this? Like, I remember like mm-hmm. sitting with my coach and I was like, this is crazy. Like, why does the school, like I'm getting paid to play here basically. I mean, I, I like, and I'm just getting to be in Hawaii to play soccer. Like, this is crazy. And that's because people have gone before us to fight for female sports that we can, mm-hmm. we could, we got to play in our, represent our college and get like scholarship money and all of the things in between. I mean, it's just really, I feel really grateful. I was the beneficiary of something like that. Um, however, I do think that the way culture is going now is we're, we're sort of erasing um, mm-hmm. how um, much has been fought for for female sports to stand by itself. And something that I actually just in the last couple of weeks am hearing a lot of, but I'm kind of hearing it all over, I have mm-hmm. been hearing it for a while, is in order for in order to to kind of make this worldview fit that, you know, um the you know that that maybe transition people that are transitioning from male to female can play with females mm-hmm. and it's not that big of a difference as long as their hormones blah, 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 blah. The thing that I'm seeing that the only way to make that worldview fit is by comparing women's sports then to male athletes and saying, oh, they're just as good anyways. It's like trying to 
really mm -hmm. say like Serena Williams, she could be any man or, you know, whatever it is and trying to say that. And this is what's bothering me so much is, is how sad in order for women's sports to be excellent. Now we don't get to just be compared to one another and mm -hmm. to try to be the best in women. Now we have to be better than the men. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Like it feels, it feels like a losing battle. Um, this week there's the, um, WSL world surf league. My husband and I are super into, uh, professional surfing. It's kind of a niche sport, but <laughs> they have separated the men and the women. And I think they've done a great job at this. They've done equal prize money and they're doing all of the men and women contests the same time they broadcast them together. And it's been really elevating for the women's game. Mm. I mean, really elevating, like everyone's watching both, but you would be blind if you were to say that there was no difference. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is a very big difference between men's surfing and women's surfing. It's not to say the women's surfing isn't amazing and isn't so entertaining, but the women's are not, if they were scored the same way against the men, they would not get scores. I mean, they just wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And and I love watching the women. They have a they have smoother style. They have a different sense of power. You can tell men's a lot of airs. They that's like the marking of the difference is really how much the men are getting airs. And the women's surfing game, they that's not really where they're at right now. And mm. if it was just one, then we wouldn't get to see that. We wouldn't get to see the women pr compete. And so I think that the surfing has done it really well. They've kept it separated. And as I'm sitting here celebrating like women's sports, I'm seeing like we can celebrate them being different and we can really appreciate women's sports. And that's what I'm seeing in surfing. I don't know. Did that make sense? I might've. Yeah, no, that does. And I love that because we don't have to put down male sports to celebrate women's sports or vice versa. And we don't have to mix them together to celebrate each other. We can celebrate them individually. And like you said, there is the differences. I don't know um, what your experience was with this at Point Loma, but at Vanguard, we, um, when we had a coach that coached the male and the females teams at the same time, we ran the same fitness tests as the guys, but the guys had to get better scores than us. And it's not because they train harder than us or they're better than us, but it's simply because they're going to be faster than us. Males at 21 years old are going to be a lot faster and fitter than uh, females at 21 years old. And they don't work any harder. That just, it's how we're built biologically. So mm -hmm. we need to keep those separate. Yeah, exactly. And I think that if we, if we're able to keep them separate, then we can celebrate the best female athletes mm -hmm. and without feeling like they have to compete then like, you know, how do they measure up against the, the boys that didn't discount the person that was best on your team for fitness, like they were the best on mm -hmm. your team. And, and, but if you had to compare them with the boys times, they wouldn't be the best anymore. And that's the thing that's happening with, with what's, what's so, some of the blurred lines that's happening in men's and women's sports is that women, biological women will never be able to compete, like generally speaking, competitively against the men. Mm -hmm. And that's just, so it's a one way street. So who, who in the end is getting discriminated against and getting hurt? It's, it's the women. Biological yes. women.
Exactly. And how you mentioned um, Serena Williams, she shouldn't have to um, put her against men to decide how good of an athlete she is or vice mm -hmm. versa or any female athlete. And so it's it's an interesting thing we're seeing play out. And again, I think that goes back to I love what you're doing with the female athlete mission. It's a place for females to go and hear from other females and their experiences and to hear how they're getting through things in sports, whether it's an injury, whether it's being on the bench or learning how to be a yeah. better leader on the team. And I think that's such, you know, you started this a while ago before all the craziness and culture kind of yeah. kicked in, but it um, it's such a needed thing. And what is like a way people can look into the female athlete mission? Do you have a website, social media? What's the best way? Yeah, so website is actually thefanblog.com. But if you look up Female Athlete Mission, we'll be there. Um, Female Athlete Mission are, is our handle on Instagram. We have a TikTok. Fun story is that I started TikTok like, I've done like three videos. And one of them went like viral. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't done one since because I've been too scared. Because I did like a talk, I did something about LeBron James. And mm. I apparently... Apparently, all I had to do was stop talking about women and stop talking about Jesus, and it would blow up. <laughs> but no, just kidding. <laughs> Crazy um, how that happens, though. But, huh? <laughs> uh, I know, I know. But actually, I just have to say this last thing about the Serena Williams thing, because mm -hmm. I think it has to do with this, is this is another thing. Someone asked me, and I, I was interviewed on a podcast years back, because Serena got, was getting all this flack for breaking her racket when she was angry. Mm -hmm. And um, they and they were comparing that to the men. Like, why can the men do that? But then when the women do that, it's like this terrible, like taboo and all this stuff. And this is where, again, comparing men to women is missing the point. And I think mm -hmm. that's what the fam gets to get at is we get to talk about how to be the best women of God that we can be. It's not about comparing ourselves. I don't want the character flaws that a man has just because they get away with it. Doesn't mean that I should get away with it. Like I want to be better. I want to be sanctified. I want to be more like Jesus. And that's what we're talking about on the fam. And what a female specific platform allows us to do is we get to talk about it without comparing and without kind of playing the game or needing to play the game of culture of how, of how to talk about all of it at once. We get to just like, speak directly like woman to woman like what is this like what's going on how to be better and so yeah so anyways also um podcast is female athlete mission you'll be able to find us um on any pop streaming platform basically Amazing. So all of you listening, even if you're not an athlete or never played sports, still go check it out. Like I said, I learned so many lessons through the podcast and just through the social media posts that can apply to you, whether you're an athlete or not. I think even what you were sharing in the beginning, Natalie, about, you know, your identity in a sport and the big eye and a little eye, I think that's something that's important for everyone, not just athletes. I know for me now, not playing soccer, it's easy to find my identity in my career or my identity in where I'm living or all these things. And so I think that message doesn't just apply to athletes as well as learning how to be a leader of a team, take that, take messages you share about that and apply it to your job, apply it to your friends, apply yeah. it to your house. It's not, you can take these um, messages and learn so much more from them, um, even if you're not an athlete. And I love that. 
Yeah, exactly. And like I said, the performance culture that I grew up in, it's really an American thing. So wherever you are, if you feel that pressure to perform, then you can relate to all the athlete conversations. Um, your, your niche just might be something different. And so I hope this encourages anybody. Yeah. And if you could give um, just one, you've already given so much advice, but if you can give one piece of advice to female athletes out there right now, what's um, something you would really want to share with them? I think I would reiterate what I said before, really that it is about finding what your purpose is. Because no matter where you are and what role you play, whether your coaches change, your teammates change, because they will, every mm -hmm. year it shifts, um, that you know that you're there for a purpose. And I know for me, that was like the biggest game changer in my life. I mean, for some of you, you need to know and learn that you're loved and you're accepted. And, and, and that is gonna be all you need to know. But once you learned that, then the question of like, why am I here? Like, what is the point here? Because you're gonna have seasons that are gonna be really hard, seasons where you're gonna doubt things, seasons mm -hmm. that you're not gonna feel valued by the people around you. But if you know you're valued by God and you know that you have a purpose in whatever avenue that you are in, then you're gonna find fulfillment in any role that you play. You're gonna find fulfillment. I mean, life is so fulfilling with Jesus because mm -hmm. everything has purpose. Your suffering has purpose. Your winning has purpose. Your losing has purpose. All of it has meaning. It's not meaningless. It's not wasted. The hard things are going through is not wasted. And so that is what I, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I guess the advice is follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. But um, with that, lean into your God-given purpose and that'll give you a vision for a way more fulfilling life while you're playing your sport and after. I love that. I, I don't think that's something that um, people, people everywhere, but especially girls are hearing right now that just follow God, follow Jesus, lean into your purpose in him and everything else. Like you're not, I think girls, it's so easy for us to dive into being happy instead of diving into joy. And there's a big difference. Happiness yeah, can difference. come and go. Joy is forever in Jesus. And so that message right there, I think, is so powerful to girls, just especially with social media, culture, everything going on right now. Um, but last little thing, I, I just would say, yes. Yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead. And I would say that as a as a woman, like if you want to have a family one day, like that's what I'm experiencing now. Like. So it's like, there are times where I'm like, gosh, it's like I'm riding the bench again. Like mm -hmm. I'm home nursing my baby while people are out there exploring the mm -hmm. world. And yet God sees me and this is my purpose right now. And I am literally nurturing this. I'm mothering this little life so that it can survive and thrive. Like what a powerful, important role. And so you're going to have times where you're going to question specifically as a woman because our life changes so much with each phase like getting married having children um whether you're going to work whether you're going to go part-time like how you're going to make it all fit you're going to have that worth question again and again and that role question and and i really believe that jesus will give you that that foundation for when those new things come up 
And to touch on that, how, so, you know, you coach, you're ministering to all these girls, you're doing all this, and now you're mom to now two girls. Um, so how is how is how are you balancing that? And I know you were talking about like in Jesus and all that, but how are you going through this stage of life, coaching, having kids, all that? Yeah, um, day by day. I think that um, there has to be grace because postpartum, hormones, sh- changes, little eye identity changes are big with having children. And mm-hmm. it's it's been really challenging. And just really surrounded myself with people that um, know me and know what my big eye identities are and that are just reminding me of those when there are days where I'm doubting or where I'm struggling. And as far as like work and balance and all that stuff, it's just literally each day waking up and even asking God before my feet even touch the ground, like, what do you have for me today? Like, let me not miss what your purposes are for me because If I'm in control, then I want the things that are big and flashy. I want the things that are gonna make me feel the best, you know, inside and think that I get the best views from outside. But what does God see of me and what is important to him today? And sometimes that will mean like just the four walls of my home, like just being present here. Sometimes it's paying attention to the girl that is on the bench when I'm coaching, even though while I'm coaching, I'm thinking about my daughters. I'm thinking about how I need to go nurse my other daughter because my body is reminding me how badly I need to do that. And, and my, my mother-in-law is watching my older and she's texting me and you know, all these things. And yet God's giving me sensitivity to someone on the bench that I need to see. And I want to talk to and want to hear from. So if I'm concerned about the big picture too often, I'll miss those little things. So it's really just day by day asking God for those things. And really reminding myself what matters most and who I am in Jesus, even if I don't always see that in myself. That's amazing. I know a lot of people that are listening on here, they're kind of not yet having kids, but are going to be transitioning to that phase within the next couple of years. And I think, again, that's another scary thing. People are told, oh, if you want to have kids, you have to put everything else aside. And I just love the way that you said you don't have to put everything else aside. You just day by day to get through um, the different things. But last little thing, more of a fun question. I just ask everyone who's on here. I'm a big, avid coffee drinker. So if you drink coffee, yes. what's your go-to order? My go-to is an eight ounce Americano. Ooh. So it's an, it's just a double shot espresso with eight ounces of water. So it's less than like a 12 ounce. And uh, it's the best, it's the bomb. If you like coffee and you like like a dark, but smooth drink um, versus like a cup of coffee, the, the it's sort of just like a small concentrated coffee cup. <laughs> but my husband, um, we got an espresso maker. My husband Ooh. makes it for me every morning. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's that's the way to go is find a man that will make you a coffee. Yes, then you're uh, set. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And then I don't ask yours. Um, I so I really love cold brews. But when I want more of like a fun drink or if I'm getting coffee with a friend, I go dirty chai with almond milk all the way. Oh, yes. 
Yes. Okay. It's, that's what Love my that. parents didn't drink coffee growing up. So I didn't start drinking it till college and chives oh, were what right. got me into it. And then I started adding a shot of espresso in it. And then I'm like, oh, I kind of like coffee. Now yeah, let me try totally. coffee now cold root. So it kind of built oh, off of that. Funny. So yeah. go back to my roots, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I guess. It. I don't ask everyone this, but because you're in Orange County and I lived there for a little bit, what's your favorite coffee shop in Orange County? Okay, Keen Coffee is the best yes. coffee. Like, I don't know what it is about their roast, but it's my favorite. Um, if I'm going vibes, that might not be my jam. I really love Oladios. It's a new coffee shop sort of mm. near uh, Vanguard, actually. Yeah. Um, so there's some other vibes, like neat coffee I really like, but Keen Coffee is my favorite roast. Yes, it's, Keen it's Coffee yeah. has the best. They do like a pumpkin chai during Halloween oh. time to die for. Yes. So good. Yes. I love it. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Natalie, for being on here. And again, everyone, check out um, Female Athlete Mission. It's the fam. Um, you can find them online, on social media. Check out the podcast. I really think there's so much everyone can learn from them. And I'm just, mm -hmm. Natalie, I'm so grateful for you from leading uh, my little Bible study my freshman year of college to constantly staying involved, whether if it was meeting for coffee or reaching out and asking if I want to play pickup. And so if you don't have a Natalie in your life, go find one <laughs> because she's amazing. Yes. But thank you so much for being oh, on here today, that. Natalie. Yes. Thanks for having me. I love that you're doing this.